Well, it is such a privilege for me to get to be with you uh, all the way from North Carolina and the Summit Church. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I felt so much hospitality and uh, I felt a lot more warmth than I'm currently feeling at this very moment. Uh, we don't have wind like you have here in North Carolina, so this has been quite the experience. But I was praying that God's spirit would blow, and so I guess this is just not quite exactly what I was expecting, but nonetheless, I'm excited to be here. I realize that you don't know me, and I don't really know you, so uh, I was hoping that I would get to introduce you to my family. So let's see, maybe, there we go. Yeah, so um, this is my beautiful bride of uh, almost eight years, so May will be eight years for us. We're actually high school sweethearts. We, we started dating in 10th grade. We've been going to school together since 6th grade. Um, the Lord has been gracious to us because we were knuckleheaded kids when we started dating, and now I guess we're knuckleheaded adults, but nonetheless, God is gracious. Um, then there's my uh, son who is there, two years old. Yeah, that's Azariah, so he'll actually be two on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Azariah was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, while we were living there as missionaries. Um, I love, I love, I love my son. He is so much fun. He's in a really fun season of life where everything is exciting to him and everything is new. One of the things about toddlers is that they get obsessively focused on things, like songs. Like they get obsessively focused on one song. So for instance, for him, Baby Shark is that song. The thing about the songs that they get obsessively focused on is that they're not great songs. Like Baby Shark, Mommy Shark, Daddy Shark, Grandma Shark, Grandpa, we get it, you know? It's not like the song is very complicated. It's the same thing over and over and over again, but they just get focused on this one thing. So one thing for us is we, we try to get them focused on a new song. We're like trying to get them, hey, could you listen to something else? Maybe something better. One day I just started singing Jesus Loves Me just to try to get them on something else. And, you know, sometimes the amazing thing is sometimes it works. Like sometimes they get captivated on something else. So now I'll catch him just by himself, unprompted by me. Sometimes he will start singing, Jesus Loves Me, which is like one of the sweetest things. It's the most amazing thing. I have one goal for you tonight, just one. My goal is that you would recognize that you have been invited by God into singing a new song. It's a new one, something different, something better that this is the one thing that I hope that you take away, that God the Holy Spirit would birth in you a desire to join in this new song and calling other people to join in that song with you. If you have a Bible, I invite you to meet me in Psalm chapter 96. If you don't have a Bible, no problem, we'll have it on the screen for you. Psalm 96, we're gonna read the first six verses. Psalm 96, verse 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare 
his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all the gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let's pray. Daddy, I have no ability in and of myself to do anything of lasting significance tonight. I've got no power, no strength. Lord, there's, there's no, no thing in and of myself that I can lean back on that can motivate a passion for your mission in these brothers and sisters. I can't do it. I can't change their hearts. I can't change my own heart. But God, I trust that your word and your spirit do the work. If that wasn't true, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. But God, you've been so gracious to call me to proclaim the truth of what you've said, and I want to do that faithfully. So God, would you give me clarity of mind and precision of speech to preach what you've said? And Lord, may you birth in us this great desire to see your glory spread to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we work through this passage, I want you to know exactly where we're going. So we're going to see four things I believe that God wants us to see in Psalm chapter 96. Four things. Number one, the God of mission. Number two, the mission of God. Number three, the people of mission. And number four, the mission of God's people. That's what we're going to look at from Psalm 96. The God of mission, the mission of God, the people of mission, and the mission of God's people. Look with me again at verses 3 and 4 in Psalm 96. It says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly is he to be praised. Why do we declare God's glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all peoples, according to what we've just read? Because we have to? Is it because we are concerned about earning something from God? Is it because we're anxious about how he might judge us or write us off if we don't do exactly what we're supposed to do? Is that our motivation for declaring his glory among the nations? Or is it what it says here? It's blowing, so we're going to go with it. I have it on the iPad, so it's great. Verse 4 says, great is the Lord. Greatly is he to be praised. So the God of mission is worthy of all worship, and he desires to be known. That's important because if he was just worthy of all worship, but he didn't desire to be known, then we wouldn't be able to know him. In fact, this is one of the beautiful things about this book. Like we only have this because God desires to be known. You understand that, right? That because God wants you to know him, he's taken great lengths to give you a record of his faithfulness throughout history. 
a record of what he's been up to, a record of what he desires for you. This is amazing. The Bible says about itself that this is God breathed. It is breathed out by God. This is amazing. God desires to be known, but also he is worthy of all worship. I and uh, several other people from my church, the Summit Church in North Carolina, we uh, recently had the privilege of being uh, interviewed by a UNC professor, a history professor. She's not a believer in Christ, but she said that what she has noticed over the last 10 years is that students keep coming into her class with stickers from the Summit Church, stickers on the laptop, stickers on water bottles, Summit Church t-shirts. And so she started looking into our church and she was surprised to find out that we are a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> she said, I know something about Southern Baptists and you guys are crazy. So she's like, I'm wondering, how are you a Southern Baptist church and you're reaching all these students? So she started coming to some of our services and listening to some of our sermons. And then she reached out to some of our staff and asked, hey, can I just interview you? I want to know what is going on at your church. And so I got to be a part of one of those interviews. I thought it was really interesting. One of the things she said to me was the way you're talking about evangelism, it's, it's really compelling, but the cynical side of me says, yeah, but you don't really care about people. You, you don't really care about who they are and their stories. You just, it's just instrumental for you. You, you just really want to sell them on something. That's the only reason that you care about them or you're talking to them is because you're trying to sell something to them. And then she asked me, how would you respond to that? And I said, no, I, I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody. Because Jesus doesn't need marketing. Like he, I don't have to, evangelism is not us trying to argue a point to somebody or trying to win an argument. That's not what it is. It's actually upholding the beauty of a person and then calling people, hey, come look at him with me. And so I told her, no, 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 we, we declare this because he's beautiful to us. My question to you is, is he beautiful to you? Because if he's not, you won't do this. Because we, we communicate what we cherish. We, we talk about what we treasure. We, we bear witness to what we find beautiful. That's the way that it works. Something that's beautiful to you, you can't keep it to yourself. God is beautiful. Look at verse six. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And how do we know? How do we know that this God is beautiful or majestic or strong? And how do we know? Well, Hebrews chapter one is how we know. Hebrews chapter one. It's one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures. I love Hebrews chapter one. This is what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken through his son. And what son are we talking about? Well, this son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Why? Because he's the radiance of the glory of God. 
He is the shining out of God, in other words. He's how you know him. That's, if you wanna know God, God has come to you in the person of Jesus Christ. And you say, okay, okay, so what's beautiful about him is the shining out in Jesus, but what's beautiful about Jesus, the scars in his hands, that's what's beautiful about Jesus. A God that will die for you is beautiful. This is amazing news that sometimes I feel like we just forget how beautiful it actually is. This, that this God would do for us what we could not do for ourselves, that is beautiful. And then I love, did you remember what it said in Hebrews chapter one? Then after making purifications for sins, he did what? He sat down because that's what you do when you finish work. It is finished. There's nothing that you need to add to it. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Not when you cleaned yourself up. Not when you presented your best self. Not when you got it together and stopped doing that thing. That's while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That's what's beautiful about him. Isn't it encouraging that you don't have to try to sell Jesus to people? Isn't it encouraging you don't have to try to like make him better than he is. Like you have no idea how good he actually is. In fact, it will take us eternity to dive into the inexhaustible riches of the glory of Christ. That's why we have forever. It's gonna take that long just to see and taste and know and experience the beauty that Jesus has to offer us. If you were to ask me, what I love about my son, I could rattle off so many things. One of my favorite things that he does, though, is when he's uh, pleasantly surprised. So when he's not expecting something, but he really likes it, he, he's very expressive, so he just lights up, his eyes light up, and he'll say, oh, thank you. So like if you give him a snack, he's like, oh, thank you, daddy. Oh, thank you, mama. I love that about him. It's something that's so cute. Do you realize, do you realize, do you realize that for all of eternity, that's what it's gonna be like? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Riches, oh, thank you, Jesus. I didn't realize the depths of your mercy. I didn't realize the depths of your grace. I didn't realize the depths of your love for me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's why it's gonna be forever. The infinitely beautiful God, this is the God of mission. So what is the mission of God? Well, verses four and five tell us, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The mission of God is to make himself known and to win the worship of all nations. That is the mission of God. It's to make himself known to win the worship of of all nations. That's what feared means here, by the way. It's not like God wants you to be terrified of him. That's not what he's after. A God that wants you to be terrified doesn't send his son to die for you. That's not what it is. Feared here is worship. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your worship. He is to be feared above all gods. What it's saying is that God desires to be worshiped as the one true God, because he is. And he's on this mission and this, he's on this mission for two reasons we see here. The first is for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. So like, you remember Exodus chapter 32? You remember the whole golden calf debacle, right? So normally, if you're like me, and I just kind of assume that you are in this way, um, if you're like me, you, you, you come to Exodus chapter 32 
And what has just happened is God has just brought his people out of Egypt miraculously. And then they've kind of had this wedding ceremony. So God has stood before his people and he said, I will be your God. I will love you. I will protect you. I will fulfill all of my promises that I gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm going to be faithful to keep them. And then the people responded, yes, we will obey you. We will love you. We will keep your commandments. So then Moses goes up on the mountain to write down the commands of God. And then what happens? The people decide, you know what? God probably killed Moses. He ain't coming back. So Aaron, will you make a God for us to worship like all the other nations? And then Aaron is like, yep, I mean, all right, what we got? And he's like, they're like, hey, a calf, that'll work. He's like, all right, great, a golden calf. And we read that and we're like, these people are ridiculous. They're foolish. Like they just saw God bring them out of Egypt. He split the waters they walked through on dry land. And now they're making a golden calf. But if we're honest, if we just stop for a moment and we're a little bit vulnerable, we also do the same thing. Like our idols are a little more sophisticated. They're not golden calves. But they're still worthless idols. So, for instance, we decide that, you know, a God who says that he's designed sex for the context of marriage between one man and one woman, we don't know what to do with that. So I'll remake God in my own image and so that he is not really concerned about holiness. He just really wants me to be happy. Or have you ever noticed how the gods of the nations, they just kind of like hate the same people that you hate and love the same people that you love? Have you ever noticed how the gods of the nations, they... They never contradict you. They never make you feel uncomfortable. They never convict you. They just always want what you want. That's how you know you've created an idol, that you're not worshiping the one true God. Or you know that you've created another God when it goes the opposite way, and it's not just they never challenge you, it's that they always challenge you. And it's only ever shame and guilt. You're not doing enough. You need to do more. Yes, little human, you need to read more of your Bible. Yeah, you need to be praying more. You need to be going to church more. You have to do more, be better, try harder. That's a God of the nations. Worthless. Idols. That's not this God. This God doesn't say do more try harder, be better. This God said, I know, I know that the chasm between my holiness and your sinfulness is too wide for you to traverse. I know that. That's why I'm on a mission to make myself known to you. That's what I've done by sending my son so that you didn't have to come to me, I'll come to you. The thing about gods of the nations, the, the God, the idols of the nations, the thing about these idols is a God that you can control, that God can't save you. A God that you create can't create new life in you. Like a God that you make with your own hands is worthless. Because the reality is that God has the same strength that you have, but also the same weaknesses that you have. Someone with the same weaknesses as you can't save you. They can't cleanse you. They can't change you. So what we see here is 
these gods, these idols, they're worthless, but the Lord made the heavens. You know what God can save you? A God who made everything, including you, who knows what you need, knows your weaknesses, knows exactly who you are, what you've done, but doesn't write you off, draws near to you. That God, that God can save you. In fact, I mean, you just think about this and why this is so important. The Lord made the heavens. Think about this. I mean, how he made the heavens and the earth. Think about it. He just dreamed it up in his mind, and then he kind of just like poetried it into existence. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. Like, I do spoken word poetry. I'm just thinking, like, if you can dream up something and then you spoken word it into existence, yeah, I think you're the king and you rule over it. <laughs> the Lord made the heavens. And what he desires is to make himself known to you. He, he desires to win the worship of all nations, which means that what he wants is to satisfy the deep places in you that you just can't seem to get satisfied in anything else. That's what we're talking about when we talk about worship. You are made for that. The Lord made the heavens. You tracking with me? The God of mission is worthy of all worship and he desires to be known. And the mission of God is to make himself known and to win the worship of all nations. So then number three, who are the people of his mission? Look at verses one and two. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Here's the question. Who is this verse talking to? Who's supposed to sing this new song? What does it say in verse one? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord who? All the earth. But then it says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. The only people that can tell of his salvation are people who've experienced it. Right? So what these verses are telling us is that the way that the whole earth is going to sing this new song is that the people of God are going to go throughout the earth singing that song and inviting people to join in. The people of the mission is the community of worshipers called the church. It's the church that has experienced the salvation of God. The church is the coming together of brothers and sisters from different backgrounds and different cultures and different socioeconomic statuses, different ages coming together around one common experience, the salvation that Jesus Christ brings. The point that the people of mission is the church is really important for two reasons. The first reason is that before you are called to do something for God, you're called to be formed into something by God. And what is it that you're called to be formed into? The people of God for his own possession. Like the Lord desires you. in his body. He desires you be a part of his people. And that's your primary calling. It's to know him, not to do something for him. Christianity isn't primarily about what you do for God. It's about what God has done for you in Christ. 
And he's done that for the people of God to bring us together into one body. If you ask me what I love about my son, like I said, I could rattle off a bunch of things. Like I love how uh, infectious his laugh is. I love how he's gotten into this phase of just repeating everything he hears, which can be dangerous, but it also is really fun. I love how much he loves people. Like during the pandemic, it was really problematic when we go to the grocery store and he's like reaching out for random strangers and we're like, bro, this is dangerous. Stop that. Also, stranger danger, bro, stranger danger. He just, he's never met a stranger. Everybody's a friend to him. I love so many things about what my son does. But listen, if you ask me why I love my son, I won't give you anything that he does. And also the reality is, if we're being honest and we keep it 100, he doesn't do anything for me. (laughs) Nothing. In fact, he costs me a whole lot. (laughs) But if you ask me why I love my son, I'll tell you because he's my son. Because he's mine, I love him. Listen, God doesn't love you because he needs something from you, because he wants you to do something for him. That's not why he loves you. You know why he loves you? He loves you because you are his son, because you are his daughter. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he is love. That's who he is. You are a people for his own possession and you were meant to be a part of this beautiful bride that he loves called his church. So your primary calling is to know him, to know Jesus. And the second thing is you can't know Jesus the way that you were intended to in isolation. You can't. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you can't do it. Something I tell college students all the time, because you're a demographic that loves to do the like, whole individual spiritual thing. I get it. So uh, I tell college students all the time, like, hey, I know you're saying you just want to do you and God, and you don't really need the church. I understand that. I just ask them, hey, do you read the Bible? And they're like, yeah, I read the Bible. I'm like, cool. Which part of the Bible is written to you as an individual? Like, which part? There's no part of the Bible that's for you as an individual. Now, individuals certainly read it, but they are part of the collective, the people of God. This whole thing is about the promises of God to the people of God. You are called into a body. You can't do being a worshiper in isolation. Hey, every predator knows, every predator, every single one knows that it can't take on a whole herd. You know that, right? Like, I love animal documentaries. I watch them all the time. You know, every predator knows you can't, you, you can't take the whole herd, but you know what you can take? If you can isolate one of them, you, you can take on one of them. Listen, Satan knows that he can't take on the whole church. That's why he's so committed to dividing the body. You ever notice that, how hard it is to be in relationship with other believers? That's because Satan knows like, I've got I've to isolate. It's the only chance I got. So, brothers and sisters, I just, my appeal to you is don't isolate yourself. Don't be that baboon, right? Like, don't, don't, don't do it. I love how, I mean, just, just get this picture in your mind. Think about it. 
when you're isolated, you're always on defense, always. Satan is like a roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy. You isolated are always on defense. When you are part of the body of Christ, you're not on defense anymore. You know the promise that Jesus made? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not what? Prevail. What does that mean? It means the gates of hell are on defense. They're not going to stand is what it's saying because my church is going to storm it. We're going to take this song about the glory of God and his worthiness to be worshipped straight up to the gates of hell and they will not stand. That's a promise for the church, not for a person, for the church, for the people of God. You are called to be a part of the people of God. The promises of God are for the people of God, and the mission of God is for the people of God. The people of mission is the community of worshipers called the church. So finally, what then is the mission of God's people? The mission of God's people we're going to end where we started, verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous, marvelous works among all the peoples. The mission of God's people is to know him and to spread his worship to all nations. That's the mission of the people of God. You want to know what your life is supposed to be about? There it is. You're supposed to know God and make him known. That's it. That's what life is. It's really simple. It's not easy, but it's just really simple. It just comes down to those two things. What is this new song supposed to be about? What's the new song we're called to sing? It's about the worthiness of God to be worshipped and it's about his salvation that he brings. But then the question we have to ask is, then what is this salvation? And I just, I love thinking about it in these four ways, just about the comprehensiveness of God's salvation. In these four ways, that you were saved from sin, for God, into the church, and onto his mission. That's the salvation we're talking about. Saved from sin, to God, into the church, onto his mission. Salvation. So let's take it one by one. From sin, according to Ephesians chapter 2, thinking about this, according to Ephesians chapter 2, you and I were dead in our sins, one. Followers of Satan, yes, Satan, two. Slaves to the passions of our flesh, three. And children of wrath like the rest of mankind, Four, how do you feel about that? You feeling good about yourself? Like, yeah, I think I can stand before God and let him know why he should let me in. I'm, I mean, I, I think I'm good with going up with a record of being dead in my sins, follower of Satan, child of wrath, slave to my passions. Yeah, I think I'm feeling pretty good. No, like we, this is it's a terrible resume. But listen, listen, this is, this is why it's so good. This, this is what God's salvation does. If anyone is in Christ, 
He, she is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You are no longer your sin. You are saved from that. Jesus has paid for it. It is finished. There's nothing you need to add to it. There's no accusation that anyone can bring against you. You are saved. That's good news. That's right. You should clap for that. It's good news. It's good news. I love thinking about the fact that my sin, your sin, if you're in Christ, our sin was crucified on the cross with Jesus. And it was buried with him in his tomb. But you know what? If you go look in that tomb, your sin is still there, but your Savior is not. You're saved from sin, and you're saved for God. You ever notice how sin never delivers on its promises? You ever notice that? You ever notice how Satan like holds out pleasure and joy in front of you like a carrot on a stick? And he's like, hey, if you just do this one more time, it'll finally be the time that satisfies you and fills you up. You ever notice that? How it's always one more time. One more time, lay with him or her, one more time. I know it didn't do what you thought it would do, but just one more time. Try this thing one more time, just, just one more time, one more compromise and it'll finally deliver. You ever notice how one more time never comes? It's because you were not created for those things. They can never satisfy you. They will never fill you up. Because that hole that you have in your heart, it is shaped like an infinitely beautiful God and only he and he alone can bring you the peace that you're looking for. That's why the psalmist says, in your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. At your right hand is pleasure forevermore. You are saved from sin for God into the church. Like sin didn't just divide you from God, it divided you from other people. But Jesus, having paid for your sin and dealt with it once and for all, has then brought reconciliation to his people so that we're able to now belong again one to another. We are restored to community. God's mission wasn't to get individual worshipers. It was to form a worshiping community, and that is what Jesus accomplished. You were saved from sin, for God, into his church, and onto his mission. So what is the role of God's people in the mission of God? Verse three, declares glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Our role is to declare and display the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what it all comes down to. Right here as we're landing the plane, this is what it all comes down to for you, brothers and sisters. Your role is to declare and display the gospel of the kingdom of God. When I was in college, I was poor, like really poor, like I had nothing in college, but I did have scholarships that were paying my tuition, praise God. But in my second year in college, I got a call from my high school that was giving me one of those scholarships and they said, hey, you know that scholarship that we said we would give you for four years? Well, um, we actually ran out of money and so we're not gonna be able to give you that anymore. Sorry about that. So I went from my tuition is fully paid to now I'm in debt 
five or $6,000 that I owe to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So I'll never forget the day that I walk into the registrar's office with a buddy of mine, and I walk up to this lady's counter, and I give her my student ID. She puts my information in. She says, yep, you owe five or $6,000. And then my buddy pulls out his checkbook. I know you probably don't know what that is. So back in the day, right, we used to have these like pieces of paper that had like our bank details on it and we would write numbers on them. And then what would happen is our resources would come from our bank account and go into somebody else's bank account. Like it's the most ancient thing to you, I know. But like he pulls out his checkbook and he writes a check for the five or $6,000 that I owe. And I walked out of there debt free. And I remember having this thought that to an infinitely greater degree, when I had this debt that I could never hope to pay because I had sinned against an infinite God, which meant that my sin against him was infinite, which meant that it would have taken me infinite death to pay that debt, I realized that what God did was he took out his checkbook and wrote his son's life on it. And then the resources that were available to him and him alone, all of a sudden went from his account to my account and I was debt free. And I, and I made this commitment in that moment, I made this commitment, God, I will give my life. God, I'll give my life to helping people see that what you did for me, you can do for them that my infinite debt that you paid, that's not unique to me. You wanna do that for people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, from every people group. But here's the issue, my brothers and sisters. Do you realize that there are people all over your campus, some of whom have grown up Christians but never heard the gospel? You realize there are people all over your campuses that are hurting and they don't know there's hope? Do you realize that there are whole people groups who have never met a Christian, never heard the name of Jesus. Are you okay with that? Like, does it burden you that you have been invited into this song? Like you are watching, you are watching people on your campuses and around the world walk up and scrounge for pennies to try to pay an infinite debt. All the while, you know that God is willing and ready to write a check to pay that debt for them, but they don't know that. And I wanna ask you right here tonight, I wanna ask you, what do you do with that? What do you do with having been invited into the singing of this new song about what God has done in Christ when you watch people try to throw a little bit of prayers and a little bit of reading the Bible, maybe a little bit of I go to church sometimes, a little bit of religiosity, and they know and you know that it will never be enough. What do you do with that? So as I come to the end here, in South Africa, we would say, it's time for you to do business with God. This isn't about me and you. This is about you and God. It's not about your neighbor. It's about you and God. So I want to challenge you to consider this. Every single one of you who is in Christ, every single one of you is called to be on mission with God. You're saved from sin, 
for God into his church and onto his mission. Every single one of you in Christ, you are called to be on mission with him. Now the question for you is where and how. You have heard the song that Jesus sings. One of my favorite songs, by the way, is a song called Embracing Accusations. I don't know if you've heard it. It's a Shane and Shane song. If you haven't, I highly recommend that when you leave from this place, you go and listen to it. But I mentioned to you earlier how toddlers, they like to listen to the same song over and over and over and over again. Well, Satan is kind of like that. You realize that? That he likes to also play songs in your head over and over and over again. That song is accusation. That song is, you, you realize that based on what you did last night, God is never going to accept you. Like, you realize that based on that relationship that you were supposed to leave weeks ago, that, that you, you realize that, yeah, maybe God will forgive you one or two or five times, but this is the 10th, 15th, 20th time. Surely he's not gonna keep doing this. Accusation, accusation, accusation. He loves to do that, play the same song over and over and over. So what this song, Embracing Accusations, is as Shane and Shane said, they were walking on a beach one day and they were listening to this song that Satan was playing, accusation of their sin over and over and over again. They couldn't get it out of their heads, but so they started singing this. This is how the song goes. Oh, the devil is singing over me an age old song that I am lost and gone astray. Singing the first verse so conveniently over me, but he's forgotten the refrain, Jesus saves. Brothers and sisters, Satan is singing an old song. And he's singing that song all over this campus. Like there are people that that's all they can hear. He's singing that song all over this city. Some people, that's all they can hear. He's singing that song all over our nation. It's all they can hear. He's singing that song all over the world. But you have a new song. You have a new song about what Jesus has done. You have a new song about how you don't have to be good enough to get to God. God came to you. You have a new song about what he's willing to do for sinners. You have a new song about the lengths and the depths and the width of his love for people. You have a new song. What are you gonna do with that? Everyone is called. The question is where and how. Where are you called to take that song? My brothers and sisters, I want some of you right now, actually all of you, I'm asking you right now to ask the Holy Spirit, would you just do business with God right now? Ask the Holy Spirit, God, where and how are you calling me? Would you just take a moment, just ask him where and how are you calling me? And my prayer is that for some of you, some of you would say, I'm not okay with there being whole people groups that are perishing apart from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I'm not okay with that. I wanna go singing that song. I wanna be in eternity where we're singing that song where people from every nation, tribe, and tongue are gathered around the throne worshiping Jesus. And I wanna be a part of that story where I know there are some people there, some people groups there that are there because I was willing to sacrifice and go to hard places and do hard things, not because God needed me, because I was invited, because I was privileged to get to participate in a mission that I know can't fail because it's God's mission. My prayer is that there would be some of you, somebody surely in a crowd this size who like Isaiah says, here I am, send me. 
So do business with God. Ask him where and how are you sending me? Remembering that the mission isn't carried forward by you. It's not up to you and your faithfulness. It's not about your goodness. It's not about your effectiveness. It's about God's worth. So God is the one who's worthy of all worship and he's the one that desires to be known. He's gonna do it, but I don't wanna be on the sidelines when he does it. My prayer is that you would also feel that same way. So let me pray over you, even as you're asking the Holy Spirit to speak. Oh, gracious Father, would you speak to us? Would you call some of these men and women? Would you give grace to those who are just frightened at the thoughts of going to some of these places? Lord, would you comfort them with the promise that Jesus gave us when he gave his commission? That I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, would you just speak to these hearts? Would you tell them where and how you're calling them? Would you also just drown out the voice of Satan in their minds so that all they can hear is the love of God for them in Christ Jesus? They're not gonna be motivated by shame and guilt to go. They're gonna be motivated by the beauty of Christ that has to be shared. So Lord, with the beauty of Christ, that this that's all around this stadium that says, I'd rather have Jesus, make that true and then make it be true of them. They would say, I'd rather my campus have Jesus. I'd rather Waco have Jesus. I'd rather America have Jesus. I'd rather the nations have Jesus. Lord, would you do that because you're worth it And we pray all of this for the fame and glory of Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.